app that is made up of six separate requests or petitions. And today we are looking at the third petition of the Lord's Prayer. Now, when we prayed the Lord's Prayer earlier in the service, we prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We prayed that a moment ago. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the traditional word order in English, on earth as it is in heaven. But the word order is actually different in the original language. And so here on page 11, we've printed a super literal translation that captures that original word order as in heaven, so also on earth. That doesn't change the meaning, but it does change the emphasis slightly. It gets us thinking about heaven before we think about earth. With that said, let me now read our second Bible reading, which is just the last two-thirds of Matthew 6, verse 10. Let your will come into effect, as in heaven, so also on earth. Let's bow our heads and pray for God's help as we hear his word preached. The prophet Jeremiah says to God, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. Father, we pray that like Jeremiah, we would have an appetite for your words. Would they come to us now by your Spirit? And would they be our joy and our heart's delight? For your name's sake. Amen. The travel writer Eric Weiner, writing in the New York Times, describes thin places as locales where the distance between heaven and earth collapses and we're able to catch glimpses of the divine. Locales where the distance between heaven and earth collapses. According to that article, the phrase thin places is very ancient and probably originated in Ireland. It was used by Celtic Christians to describe places such as the Scottish island of Iona and the mountain Croagh Patrick in the west of Ireland. There is something in that, isn't there? Many of us will be able to think of places where we've been particularly conscious of God's presence or his creative power. I think of the village of Reeth in the Yorkshire Dales. I arrived at night and in the morning when I saw the glorious countryside of the Yorkshire Dales in daylight, I remember thinking, well, here is a place where surely it is impossible to be an atheist. That was the thought that came into my mind. But while that classic way of thinking about thin places does have some truth to it, the third petition of the Lord's Prayer points us to a better understanding of thin places. According to the third petition of the Lord's Prayer, the best way to shorten the distance between heaven and earth is to do God's will. 
let your will come into effect as in heaven, so also on earth. When God's will is done, it's as if heaven comes down to earth. For the rest of the sermon, we're going to look at God's will in three dimensions, beginning with God's will in heaven. God's will in heaven. God's will is what he wants. According to Romans chapter 12, God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. And in heaven, God's dwelling place, God's good, pleasing and perfect will is always done. If you've ever shared your home with other people, which is probably all of us at one time or another, you'll know how difficult it is to have your will done in your dwelling place. We're told in the Bible that God shares his dwelling place with angels. How does that play out? Do the angels ever forget to take out the trash? Maybe there are times when they leave the skylight open during stormy weather so the carpet gets ruined. Maybe they let pots and pans pile up in the sink without washing them or leave their towels on their beds without remembering to hang them up to dry. Do angels put leftovers in heaven's fridge and then forget all about them so they get covered in a layer of furry mold? Maybe God is forever wandering the hallways of heaven saying, how many times do I have to tell you? No, no we can be sure God's will is always done in heaven, his dwelling place. The reason why we can be sure is because of what heaven is like. The Bible describes heaven as holy. Moses prays to God in Deuteronomy 26, look down from your holy habitation from heaven. In Psalm 20, King David says, the Lord will answer from his holy heaven. And in Isaiah 63, the prophet Isaiah says to God, look down from heaven, from your holy and beautiful dwelling place. So if we could see what heaven is like, we'd be awed by its beauty. But the main thing we'd notice is its holiness. That is heaven's signature feature. And that's why we can be sure God's will is always done there. If the angels disobeyed God in heaven, Heaven would be a place of sin, but the Bible tells us it's a place of holiness, which means God's will must always be perfectly obeyed there. Sadly, the situation is very different on earth, which brings us to the next part of the sermon, the next of our three dimensions, God's will on earth. God's will on earth. Unlike heaven, God's will is not always done on earth. Walk through the streets of Manhattan for long enough and you'll see that with your own eyes. God's will is good, pleasing and perfect, but what happens on the streets of Manhattan and throughout the world is so often bad, displeasing and imperfect. Betsy and I subscribe to a news magazine called The Week, which as the name suggests is a weekly digest of the latest news. In every edition of the week, there's a section titled, It Wasn't All Bad. And that section takes up about a, a fifth of one page of the magazine. One fifth of one page. The rest of the news in the week is often 
very troubling. A cinematographer shot dead on a movie set because proper safety protocols weren't followed. A German jihadist sent to prison for her role in the death of a five-year-old girl bought as a slave. Soldiers opening fire on pro-democracy protesters in Sudan. Those are examples of God's will not being done on earth. God has revealed his will in the Bible. He's also embedded it in the human conscience. But whenever I read the weak, I see God's will being rejected. I see his Ten Commandments being broken. So often here on earth, God's will is not done. Now, it needs to be said, whenever we talk about God's will, that there is a sense in which God's will is always done. God is in control of the universe. If he wasn't, he wouldn't be God. If just one molecule was outside God's control, it would act potentially like a, a pebble crashing into the windscreen of God's universe and causing the whole thing to crack. That's why theologians talk about God's will of desire on the one hand and his will of decree on the other hand. His will of desire is summarized in the Ten Commandments. His will of decree covers everything that takes place in the universe. God allows all of it to happen. And each event is only allowed to happen if it will in some way feed into God's salvation plan. Romans 8 verse 28 says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We won't always understand how this event or that event could possibly feed into God's good plan for this world. But Romans 8 verse 28 says that it does. In the Old Testament, there's a Bible verse that includes both God's will of desire and his will of decree. It was one of the verses we heard in our first Bible reading. So let's turn back to page 7, please, to look at it. It's that verse in the middle of the first Bible reading, verse 10, Isaiah 53, verse 10. It says, Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Do you see how the Lord's will is mentioned at the start and the end of that verse? At the start of the verse, it must be God's will of decree that is in view. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. That's a prophecy of the death of Jesus, which was a kind of murder. Murder is not in line with God's will of desire. Number six of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. So the start of Isaiah 53 verse 10 must be talking about God's will of decree. It was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. 
And this is one of those times when it is not hard to see how God's will of decree feeds into his salvation plan. Jesus was crushed for our sake. He suffered for us. As he died on the cross, he paid the penalty fee for the sins of everyone who trusts in him. In the words of Isaiah 53 verse 10, Jesus died as a guilt offering. He paid with his blood so that guilty sinners would become not guilty. That is the best news in the world. It's salvation. And we have God's will of decree to thank for that salvation. As the saying goes, God permits what he hates to accomplish what he loves. Now, if we look down to the end of that verse, Isaiah 53, verse 10, we see another mention of the will of the Lord. This time, Isaiah is talking about God's will of desire. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. That's looking forward to the time period we're in now. The risen Lord Jesus is calling people to himself and he's ruling over his saved followers. His kingdom is growing and his leadership is totally in line with God's will of desire. In fact, Jesus reveals more of God's will of desire through his teaching preserved for us in the New Testament. On every continent, we can see God's will of desire prospering in the hand of the risen Lord Jesus. Well, let's now go back to the page we were on, page 11. We've been thinking about the difference between God's will of desire and his will of decree. Surely the third petition of the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for God's will of desire to be done. Let your will come into effect as in heaven, so also on earth. It's God's will of desire that is always done in heaven. It's God's will of desire that brings heaven's holiness down to earth. So Jesus is telling us to pray for God's will of desire, summarized in the Ten Commandments and spelt out throughout the whole Bible, to be done in this world. It's always done in heaven. It's not always done on earth. And so we pray that it would be done on earth. And that brings us to the final part of the sermon, the third of our three dimensions, God's will in our own lives. God's will in our own lives. So far during our series on the Lord's Prayer, we've seen that each petition asks something of the person praying. Each petition boomerangs back onto the person who's just prayed it. Hallowed be your name. That's a prayer for God's name to be treated as sacred. Well, that starts with the person praying. We bear God's name as Christians, Christians, and our lives should glorify Jesus Christ's name. It's similar with the second petition, your kingdom come. That's a prayer for God's kingdom to come in its fullness as soon as possible. And there are things we can do to prepare for its coming, such as preparing our hearts so that we're not overly attached to the things of this world, 
but instead we truly long for God's kingdom to come in all its fullness. We've now reached the third petition of the Lord's Prayer and it's the same again. Your will be done. Boomerangs back onto the person praying. The person who sincerely prays for God's will to be done should then, with God's help, do God's will in his or her own life. One way to illustrate this is to say that your will be done is not a valet prayer. At expensive restaurants elsewhere in America, not so much in NYC, but elsewhere, at expensive restaurants, drivers can hand over their car keys to a... Actually, that would be in a British car. Hand over their car keys to the valet and have no further involvement in the parking of their car. And sometimes praying is like that. Sometimes there are things we pray for that we ourselves cannot do anything about. All we can do is put the car keys in God's hands and he will graciously park the car for us. He will park the car of our prayer. He will answer our prayer in the best possible way in his sight. But when we pray, your will be done, we can't hand over the car keys and forget about what we've just prayed. It's not a valet prayer. After we've prayed, your will be done, we still have to park the car. We can do God's will in our own lives with his help. None of us will be able to do God's will perfectly in this current world. But with God's spirit empowering us, we can make progress. We're not alone. We have God's spirit dwelling within us. And through his strength, we can make progress in rejecting evil and doing God's good, pleasing and perfect will. Now, during this sermon, I've been saying that the Ten Commandments summarize God's will. There's more to God's good, pleasing and perfect will than the Ten Commandments, but they are the essential starting point. If you go into any of the older parish churches in England, you will likely find what's known as a Decalogue board on the wall. Decalogue is an old-fashioned word for the Ten Commandments. At the time of the Reformation, the leaders of the church wanted regular people to learn God's will. And so they hung boards displaying the Ten Commandments on the walls of the churches up and down the land. If you do a Google image search for Decalogue boards, you can see some examples. Decalogue boards were an excellent addition to church walls because people need to learn God's will. Yes, we've got it embedded in our consciences, but sadly human beings are skilled at ignoring our consciences to the point where our consciences sometimes hardly function anymore. We need to learn what God's good, pleasing and perfect will is. We need to learn the Ten Commandments. If I were to put you on the spot, don't worry, I'm not going to, but uh, if I were to ask you what the second commandment is, or what the ninth commandment is, would you be able to tell me? If not, one way to get the Ten Commandments into your head is to leverage the memorizing power of music 
on our church website, there's a link to the Songs of the New City Catechism. It's in the theology section of our recommended links webpage on the church website. The song for question eight of the New City Catechism is a 90-second song that includes all of the Ten Commandments. It's designed for helping children to remember the Ten Commandments. I need it as an adult to help me remember the Ten Commandments. That 90-second song is very useful. Learning that short song is like putting a Decalogue board on the wall of your brain. The song for question eight of the New City Catechism, available through our website. But as I've been saying, there is more to the will of God than the Ten Commandments, which is one reason why daily Bible reading is such a great habit to get into. We can't expect to instinctively know what is good, pleasing and perfect. Our instincts are often unreliable. Proverbs 28 verse 26 goes as far as to say, whoever trusts in himself is a fool. We need to learn from the Bible, God's message to humanity. God knows what is good, pleasing and perfect because he's God. He's the creator and he has shared that knowledge with us in the Bible. What a treasure trove the Bible is. Let's stick our hands into the gold coins and precious gemstones of God's word day by day. Whenever we pray, your will be done, it should act as a reminder to us to read God's word and hear it being preached and read so that we can learn what God's will is. I mentioned thin places at the start of the sermon, those places on earth where the gap between heaven and earth seems thin. But anywhere on earth can become a thin place when we do God's will by the power of his spirit. When we do God's will, we start to experience heaven on earth because heaven is where God's will is always done. It's like that famous Bible verse, from Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Part of the tasting that David talks about in that Psalm, Psalm 34, is the experience of doing God's will through obedience. That is part of what it means to taste and see that the Lord is good. God wants good things for you. He wants your life to go well. The doorway through to that good life is obedience, doing God's will with his help. That's not because he rewards obedience with health and wealth. No, the Bible doesn't promise those things. Instead, the point is that God's will, doing God's will, brings heaven down to earth. It's how we experience something of what heaven is like. When you do God's will, you get to know his character better. When you do God's will, you'll be his instrument for changing other people's lives for the better. When you do God's will, your life will be filled with meaning and purpose. God wants to give those good things to his saved, forgiven people. And we get those good things 
when we pray your will be done and then do his will with his strong help. When Jesus returns, heaven is going to come down to earth. The Bible talks about the new heavens and the new earth, but don't be thrown off by that. When it talks about the new heavens, it means a new sky and atmosphere and space. Heaven in the sense of God's dwelling place will come down to earth when Jesus returns. Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them, we're told in Revelation 21. Heaven is going to come down to earth and from that point onward, God's will of desire will always be done on earth. So when you look ahead to the future, God's will of desire and his will of decree merge into one, like train tracks seem to merge into one when you look along the train line into the distance. That merging will happen because God's will of decree brings about the world to come where God's will of desire is always done perfectly. That focus on the future merging of God's will of desire and his will of decree helps us understand something Jesus says on the night before his death. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays to the Father, your will be done. He uses exactly the same words that he uses here in Matthew 6, verse 10. Now Jesus knows what the will of the Father is for the following day. He knows God's will includes betrayal, arrest, and crucifixion. Those are sins. None of those sins happen in heaven. They're in conflict with God's will of desire. But those sins were in line with God's will of decree. As we saw from Isaiah 53, Jesus had to die so that we could be forgiven and live with him forever. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus looked ahead to where the train tracks of God's will of decree and his will of desire merge into one. And in his great love, Jesus said to God, your will be done. We see Jesus' love for the people of this earth in his longing for God's will to be done on earth eternally. So if you're not yet trusting in Jesus, he invites you to enter into his love so that you can be with him eternally in the place where God's will of desire is always done, that good place. Please say yes to Jesus' invitation without delay. Put your trust in him. If you are trusting in Jesus, do you see how much he loves you? He came down from the holiness of heaven to the rebelliousness of earth so that rebels like you and me could enjoy God's goodness forever. That enjoyment of God's goodness starts now in this world, in this life. Seek out 
thin places by seeking out God's will through his word, with the help of his spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your goodness. We praise you for desiring what is good and pleasing and perfect. It is so reassuring to us to have a God whose character is good. We thank you for your son Jesus, for his willingness to leave heaven your holy dwelling place and come into this rebellious earth and suffer the consequences of your will of decree, betrayal, arrest, crucifixion for our sake, that through trusting in him we might share in his heaven forever. Help us, Heavenly Father, to seek out more of that heaven here in this current world through learning and obeying your will. We pray for your Holy Spirit's help and we pray that we would experience the joy of doing your will even today. For Jesus' sake. Amen.